Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are set to talk about a movie this evening. We are going to talk about Filled of Dreams. And as I typically have Father Mike Ritter in studio with me, he is not here this evening. I was not able to bring him in. He had something come up. But I do have another blue chip uh, guest here in Chris Hybert. I know there was a lot of positive feedback from Chris joining me a couple weeks ago. So, Chris, great to have you back with me in studio. Hey, it's great to be back, even though I am a two and a half, working my way towards a three-star job. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, Chris, before we jump into Field of Dreams, um, I know a movie that is close to both of our hearts. Yes. Uh, for our listening audience, I'd actually lived with Chris for, what was it, two and a half years back in the 90s? Yes, yes. Um, while I was West going 11th. to school. Yep. Uh, West 11th Avenue in Chico, California. <laughs> I know a number of nights we stayed up late talking about movies such as Field of Dreams. So I'm really excited to talk about this movie with you on air this evening. Uh, but before we get into that, I did get a question this past week that I thought was a pretty important question specific to what we do here each and every Wednesday evening. Every Thursday, a special topic Thursday, a night that is devoted to responding to your questions. But this question was very specific to to movies, Chris, so I did want to talk about uh, that question. And the question is this, can you say that movies evangelize the heart? Can you say that movies evangelize the heart? So let me first say this, that when you talk about evangelization, what are you talking about? Well, you're talking about that initial proclamation of the gospel, right? That initial proclamation of the good news, repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, Benedict XVI, in his first uh, volume, Jesus of Nazareth, reflects into the deeper meaning of gospel, and he, he goes into the historical, very rich historical context, and he makes the point that uh, the word evangelion was very much a part of the language of first century Rome. And you would hear the evangelion when the emperor would come out to the balcony and he would make a proclamation. Now, whether you liked it or not, it came from the Lord, right, the Roman emperor, and so it was a saving message and a transforming message. So when you hear the Greek word evangelion, while we typically uh, translate it as good news, it's more than just good news. It's a saving message and a transforming message. And as the Gospel of Mark highlights, this (laughs) message, the message of Jesus Christ, actually saves and actually transforms, right? Defined as such, saving message, transforming message, can we say that movies evangelize the heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, Chris, one of the things that Father Mike and I have really highlighted throughout this programming on Christ in Cinema is that we watch the movies because so many of the movies that we watch touch upon our very real experience. We so often say that, you know, we go to the movies to escape reality, but the reality of it is that we actually encounter reality as opposed to escape reality. And why can we say that? Well, simply because what we see on the stage or what we see on the screen 
is very much a reflection of our own very real lived experience. Yes, Joe. I, you know, my favorite movies are ones where I feel like I enter in more deeply mm-hmm. into my own experience. Uh, even in the escape uh, type movies, I feel like they're only effective if they bring back to me the reality of my own experience. It might be a different world, but it's still, you know, the same themes, the same uh, trials, the same victories and defeats that I experience in my own life. And that transforms me and makes me want to learn from it and grow from it. Yeah. So to say, does a movie evangelize the heart? If it's transforming our heart, if it is having us think more critically about who we are before God and how we are called to live our life uh, in God, then yes, absolutely. And one of the things that lets me know that um, movies do evangelize uh, my own heart are the many encounters I've had where I've wept tears, mm. either of joy or mm. sadness or you know somewhere in between. But it, uh, I know that we've talked about tears meaning healing, mm-hmm. and that healing you know, goes back to the word vulnerability. Yes, yes. My goodness, movies can make me vulnerable. My children will tell you all about it, Joe. Sometimes they'll look over at me and say, yeah. are you crying yet, Dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a very poignant moment. Yeah. <laughs> so they know that I am entering into it in a way that <laughs> there's no doubt. You said absolutely. I would say absolutely it has trans... You know, certain movies have transformed my heart. Yeah, a point that Father Mike and I have made is, is there something about going to a movie theater, too, because it's difficult being vulnerable. Mm. But you can go to a movie theater in a very safe place, quietly engage this movie, and if there's such a thing, quietly becoming vulnerable, you know, to a narrative, to a script, to a storyline. It's interesting. You feel anonymous in a theater, but you're sharing that experience Mm -hmm. with others with you. It's it's kind of a nice combo. Sure. And I walk out of movie theaters or even watching a movie at home sometimes, and I feel just a need to reach out mm-hmm. and to. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a feeling of like you're you're kind of walking on on a on a different plane. Amen, Chris. And this very much brings us back to the gospel because every time a person yes. has an encounter with Jesus Christ, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to go share yes. with other people who they just encountered. Mm-hmm if it's the Samaritan woman, if it's the blind man, and what does Jesus say? Well, don't say anything. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. Now, because we've just encountered the fullness of the beauty of truth, and here we are going to movies, and we have this experience, and we want to talk about it. Yeah, by its nature, it's effusive. Yep. If yep. you have it within you, it has to come out. Yes, you know? yes. So. And so this is why yeah. we are here, because it has to come out, right? Yeah. Okay. So right. we are here to talk about uh, the field of dreams, Chris. Okay. If you can offer up a bit of a thumbnail sketch of the, the movie. Yeah, the movie Field of Dreams um, is based on a novel by W.P. Kinsella called Shoeless Joe. In the movie, Ray Kinsella, the main character, hears a voice, if you build it, he will come. In the movie, uh, Ray hears that voice, um, and at first, of course, he's skeptical, but through additional locutions, and I like the thought of locution. This is a very spiritual aspect to this. He eventually realizes the significance of this obscure uh, request. Ray plows under his Iowa cornfield to build a baseball field that will call Shoeless and seven other Chicago White Sox players uh, that were banned from baseball due to their actions during the 1919 World Series. At the heart of the movie, I think, Joe, is uh, Ray's relationship with his father, John Kinsella. After the death of his father, Ray was overcome with a sense of kind of guilt and emptiness. 
Um, and due to the fact that the horrible conflict with his father was never never resolved, everything that was asked of Ray in the building of the field was not to bring Shoeless Joe, but eventually to bring his father and to make amends with his deceased father and alleviate himself of this burden of never forgiving for the painful words they had exchanged. Not until the end of the movie uh, do we, the viewers, come to realize that Ray's uh, many locutions, uh, many messages were always pointing towards that poignant scene. Uh, for any of us who have seen the movie, we know it's, it's where uh, John Kinsella, the dad, and Ray Kinsella, the son, are playing catch. Yeah, let's just pick it up there, Chris. It's towards the end of the movie, and the White Sox have just got done playing ball, and and Ray Kinsella, played, of course, by Kevin Costner, is talking with Shoeless Joe Jackson, and he's leaving. And uh, as they finish their conversation, Shoeless Joe Jackson brings his attention to uh, this young man over by home plate. And there is this man. He's unstrapped himself with the catcher gear, and he's kind of looking at him. That is Ray Kinsella, played by Kevin Costner. And his wife, Annie, looks at, looks at her husband, Ray, and says, Who is that? And he says, oh my gosh, that is my father. And so after Ray Kinsella meets Annie, his wife, and, and Karen, his daughter, they go for a little walk on the baseball field. And he's looking around, and he says, this is beautiful. I am I dreaming? <laughs> you know? And then they continue to walk, and he, he looks at Ray, and he says, I I've got to ask you a question. Is this heaven? And then, of course, John's famous response, no, it's Iowa. And he responds, that is his father. Boy, I could have sworn this was heaven. And then, Chris, something happened. After he says, boy, I could have sworn this was heaven, he looks back at his wife, uh, Annie, and his daughter, Karen, and you can just see it kind of all sink in, him appreciating the dynamic of relationship. And as he's appreciating this whole dynamic of relationship and maybe why his father thought it was heaven, he looks over to his father and says, hey, Dad. And his father turns around with this look on his face. And my children are looking to me and see if I'm already crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I watched it again. And of course I was. Oh, yeah. And then, gosh, another piece that really struck me in that episode, Chris, was he goes to grab the glove and the baseball, and he starts to play catch. And as he starts to play catch with him, he receives uh, the ball from his father, and he pulls the ball out of his, out of his glove, and he just kind of looks at the ball like, man, I'm playing catch with my dad right now. And if nothing else, Chris, I think what we are made to see in that moment is the importance of appreciating what is before you. Certainly in the much larger narrative of the field of dreams, just the, the simple plane of catch is bringing about this profound healing between father and son. But as it is, you can see them just absolutely drinking in the moment. And this is so important for all of us, especially Chris, you and I who are fathers, to just drink in the moment. And part of the healing process, you know, is to just drink in that moment, to be present to uh, your child and to be present to your child in a vulnerable way, as you've already touched upon. You know, there's a, um, a quote by um, one of the characters in the movie, who's, and he says, we don't realize the most significant moments in our life until they've passed, and we mm. look back upon them. And I think what you just mentioned, Joe, when, when Kevin Costner catches the ball thrown by his dad, who is probably a 21-year-old, you know, up-and-coming young man, um, 
he realizes this is one of those most significant moments. Yes, um, yes. And so we get to we get to feel that sense of you know all of our significant moments are kind of outside of time you know because mm. they're in kairos they're in God's time yes not always necessarily this chronological time but yes. wow this is significant this is something transformative and I and I want to drink this in that's what I love about where he draws the ball in and like you say he <laughs> he takes a pregnant pause yeah he does and I, and I just yeah, I feel like that's that's the moment. That's what all his intercession for his father mm, was, mm. was was for. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Chris, the question is asked, can we say that a movie evangelizes the heart? Well, how many dads would say that after watching that movie, they went out to play catch with their son, <laughs> and they enjoyed just staying in that moment? Right. They embraced playing catch with their son. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that most dads did if they had... Just not a young son, but even an older son, mm-hmm. right? There's something about being moved uh, by a movie and then in turn taking that with us and just enjoying the moment, enjoying what's before us. And, and for me, certainly, Chris, I found myself playing catch with both of my younger sons <laughs> right after this movie and just right. appreciating the, the beauty, right? And the, right. the purity, we should say, yeah. of catch between a father and a son. Such gratitude, Joe. I think the word that comes to mind for me when I think about, you know, of course, doing this with my own sons is when we have gratitude, everything comes to life, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, <laughs> I, would, I would love to go to Iowa someday mm-hmm. and, and uh, play catch on the, uh, on, the, on the grass. I love the way they say the thrill of the grass during yeah. the movie, but yeah. play catch on a field by, by the corn stalks and the, as the sun is setting and having... Uh, you know, Annie, turn on those lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even even if it's just in the backyard, if it's if it's in the street, if anywhere it is, we have that moment where we're present to a relationship with our sons. And how do we express love for each other? Well, throwing and catching. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many ways we do it, and that's just one of the many ways. And don't think for a second, Chris, that when Annie turned on those lights, that mm-hmm. was not intentional because it was just when they started to play catch. You mm-hmm. know, he was in this darkness. And then when he starts playing catch with his father, she turns on the light. And I think, Joe, if we rewind the movie just a few minutes, the light began to go on through some of his stubbornness as well, because the poignant scene happens where um, he says, Shoeless Joe says to Terrence Mann, who had been traveling with Ray Kinsella, do you want to come out with us? And of course, Ray thinks, oh, finally, I get to go out. Puffs (laughs) puffs out his chest a little bit and says, you mean come out with you guys? And and Shoeless Joe says, no, not you, him. And the little, the righteous indignation comes yeah, up, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Kevin Costner's <laughs> character, uh, Ray Kinsella says, well, wait a second, I've done yeah. all this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and never once have I asked, what's in it for me? And yeah. so Shoeless Joe says, so what are you asking, Ray? Well, I'm asking, uh, the, 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 what's in it for me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. think he realizes how self-centered he is in this moment. And I love the way Shoeless Joe, who for me, you know, just brings so much wisdom mm, to this movie. Oh, yeah. He looks at him, and when this, with this great kind of check yourself look, he says, yeah. "I think you better stay here, Ray." He's, yeah. he's saying to him, "You're doing this for something greater than what you realize." Dad hasn't shown up yet, mm-hmm. but it's such a powerful scene. Is this why you did this for right. you? Mm-hmm. Right? What was the, was the line? And mm-hmm. it's interesting because uh, Kevin Costner, uh, Ray Kinsella says. I didn't 
once understand it, but I did it anyways. And this brings us back to another dialogue, Chris, in the very beginning when Annie says, uh, what else did he say when, you know, he's talking to her about this voice? If you build it, he will come. Uh-huh. And uh, Ray says nothing. And then she says, don't, don't you hate it when that happens? He says, yeah, I really do. And I thought to myself, there is an element in this movie of trust that, for me, if you were to look at this movie as a Christian parable, yeah. really just kind of plays itself out all throughout this movie. How much do I let go of this? How much do I let go of that? Of course, by doing what he did, he was about to lose his farm, as Annie's brother reminded him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so he, ha- he was continually reminded of the importance of what he was doing and that it was bigger than him, mm-hmm. right? And how can one not think of, in the light of this call to trust more, how God works in our own life? Mm-hmm. You know, God coaxes, he, he compels, he nudges, he does all of those things. But if we were to put this in its proper Christian context, as he's doing all those things, he's inspiring us to do it, not for just our sake, but for those around us. He was doing it, in the case of the movie, for Ray, but also yeah. for John, right? Yeah. Ease his pain, yeah. ease his pain. And the importance comes through so powerfully, Joe, about stepping out in faith. There are times in our lives where we have to step out in faith, even if it doesn't make sense necessarily. And who's the messenger of wisdom as well? Uh, The daughter. Yes. The innocence of the daughter, Karen, the daughter, is the first to see Shoeless Joe when he comes out. After uh, Ray Kinsella has spent uh, an entire summer, an entire winter and an entire spring waiting for something that he knows in his bones is going to happen. And what happens? He stops thinking about it, and it's the child, the mm-hmm. innocent one, who mm-hmm. comes and says, Daddy, there's a man out on your lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and then later on, she says, once, uh, w- this was another moment where they're having very serious, very adult, you know, very financial discussions about, Ray, if you don't, if you don't do this, you're going to lose the farm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, just in the midst of that, where Ray is about to just almost throw in the towel, he's like, what can I do? Daddy, the baseball game is on again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just this moment where, ah, the baseball game is on again. And Ray gets this smile on his face, and up he goes, and he knows there's something transformative going, out, going on mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. whole situation. A point we've talked about here on Seeds of Truth a lot, Chris, is that uh, the pure part are those who see God and see God working, you know, in ways that those who are not pure just simply don't. This is why we read in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. What's interesting about that particular Beatitude is when you translate the Greek for purity, it really best translates as without mixture, to be one thing, Mm. um, to not be stained with anything. She's a little one. Her world is not stained with anything, right? So she's just, she sees things for what they are, mm-hmm. right? She's entertaining angels, just not yes. figuratively, but literally in this case, right? Yes. And so there's something going on there for sure, a lesson to be had. But something else here too, Chris, I feel Ray Kinsella. He's done all of this, and he's just yeah. sitting here thinking, come on, Lord, come <laughs> on, God. When are you going to throw me a bone, right? right. And there's just a, a very real human tension there. And another very um, evangelical, if you will, um, uh, portion of the movie is that it, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of mysticism in mm. the movie. And, yes. and, I, and I went back to something you said 
in one of your programs, Joe, or in one of our conversations about to live in the world today and to and to uh, stay with God, uh, we almost have to be uh, mystically united to Him. Yeah. You know, like yeah. where, we're, where we're just—it's it, a constant relationship. I, I was reminded of Mother Teresa on the train, mm. and mm. she heard a voice. Yes, I thirst. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, transformative voice didn't totally make sense to her, and she had her own work to figure out what that. Uh, voice meant, but kind of the, uh, you know, the same thing, a journey mm-hmm. that led her to something profound. Yes, you know? yes. Um, so anyway, the mysticism of the movie is very mm. attractive to me, yes. you know, and the <laughs> supernatural meeting the natural. It's one thing to, Chris, hear someone say, ease his pain, build it, he will come, but it's another thing to trust in that. Yeah. And we miss out on the mystical, if you will, when we fail to act. And this is a huge point for me because in the end, yeah, we are all called to be mystics. I clamor, <laughs> just not on air, but when I go to give talks, we have to be present to something that the Holy Spirit is inspiring within the church. You know, the, la- the last six uh, proclaimed doctors of the church are all mystics. That's unique, Chris. Mm. That's unique. We are just not an assembly of believers or just a, a, a body of Christ. We are the mystical body of mm. Christ. We are just not incorporated wow. into, you know, some flattened sense of what it means to be a congregation, but the mystical body of Christ. And when we trust, and we have to remember that trust is the most concrete act and virtue of faith, when we trust, we participate in the mystical body of Christ. Because here's the thing, and I, I think we tend to forget this, God says to each and every one of us that I created you because you can glorify me like no other. So what does that mean? Well, if we fail to do the will of God, then isn't it a tragic truth, Chris, that something that properly belongs to the mystical body of Christ goes unseen? Mm. Imagine the rainbow without a color, Mm -hmm. right? I know my four-year-old would throw a temper tantrum. (laughs) (laughs) But if she didn't know that purple never belonged to the rainbow... But to know that the purple belongs to the rainbow, Mm -hmm. if we do not follow through on our encounters with God, something is lost that properly belonged to the mystical body of Christ that no one else can can replicate. Uh, Very rich, very rich, and something we we certainly need to be reflecting upon. Chris, I know there was another point that struck you when in our pregame huddle, in our pregame discussion, you were talking about how it might have been just a footnote, but we have a little time. If we have a little time, okay. This may have been the 33rd time I've seen this movie. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> my wife throws things at me because I can quote the whole movie, so I have to just hold my tongue. But something Shoeless Joe said, you were just talking about childlike faith. You know, what is baseball? It's a child's game. Mm. And that's why I think there is an innocence about that that's very profound in this story as well. But he's talking about what he would have played for. Okay, he was a professional baseball player, one of the most acclaimed of his time. You know, the whole thing, third highest batting average, yada, yada, yada. We could go on and on. But he starts to reflect on, gosh, look at this. The smells. You know, I remember going on the train, staying in hotels. Mm. Remember the sound of the crowd, the smell of the field, the crack of the bat. And he starts going backwards. Well, you know what? I would have played for just a little bit of money. I would have played for food money. Mm. And then at the end, he says, and I'm getting chills just thinking, Mm -hmm. he says, gosh, I would have played for nothing. Mm. And in that moment, Joe, I thought, oh my gosh, 
those $5,000 that he accepted mm-hmm. to, you know, even though he didn't throw the series, he accepted the money. Those are like the 30 silver pieces. <laughs> and he's trying to get back to the original innocence of the game in that whole dialogue. Yeah. When you brought this up before we came on air here, Chris, the phrase that really struck me was original innocence. You know, we have an illustration of, of what Shoeless Joe Jackson went through, as you just explained so beautifully. And what about Judas? You know, bring in Judas, how much he must have pined to take it back. And of course, we know he didn't. The thing that strikes me about that phrase is because in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, what do we have but the Paschal mystery bringing us back to our original innocence? We have that opportunity in the cross. We just have to turn to Him in the sacrament of confession and be restored to the glory of our adoption, the glory that we have inherited in divine sonship in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Original innocence, so important. So, Chris, I'm looking up at the clock. We are out of time. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts to our ever-so-brief reflection into the field of dreams. I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, give my big high-five to Karen again. I just love her character. (laughs) And uh, Cecilia, if you're listening, this was a little little Sia. Uh, I'm giving you a a high-five over the air. And uh, just remember... Daddy, the baseball men are back. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you know, for me, Chris, my closing point has us going back to what you raised as it relates to the mystical life, because when you really take a step back and look at this movie for what it is, it is a movie that is caught up in mysticism. And this tension, as we spoke to it earlier, of the ordinary and superordinary, the, the natural and the supernatural, the lack of trust and trust. And... If we follow through on those promptings of the heart, we too will build something great. And whatever it is that we are building, people will want to come and see. They will come from great distances, Ray. (laughs) People will want to see because we marvel at beauty. There is something profoundly beautiful in each and every one of us. And people will want to see. Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.